Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'll continue this evening discussing the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. We're in the middle of this text, more or less, and at this stage, Jiva Goswami is presenting repeated reinforcements of the nature of the Supreme Lord's name, form, qualities, pastimes. And at this place where we are this evening, he's dealing with his various manifestations in their transcendental forms. I'm going to complete uh, our discussion on the 52nd second Anacheta, Sri Rishabdev's body is transcendental. So what's the nature of Sri Rishabdev? He's what's referred to as a Avesh avatar. Avesh avatar means he is infused with the Lord's potency in order to accomplish a particular service within human society and for the benefit of the human of human society under the direction of the Supreme Lord. So Jiva Goswami has pointed out at the beginning of this Anucheta is from the Lagu Bhagavatamrita and the quote from the Lagu Bhagavatamrita which is a work also done by well done by Srila Rupa Goswami when Sri Krishna pervades a living being with a portion of his opulence such energy or knowledge such as energy or, energy of no, or knowledge, such a great soul is called an avesha. So the Supreme Lord has unlimited potencies, and if he wants, he can give someone some of it in order to accomplish some feat. Those incarnations, they're referred to as avatars, and generally avatar refers to one that's descending. In this instance, what's descending is the Lord's potency. Of course, the jiva could also be dis descending himself. And what's unique about the Avesh avatar is they come in two flavors. In one instance, and I like the wording here that's used, the, the, the sentiment, the conception of those that have been powered of the Lord by the Lord with one of his potencies is that they either conceive themselves as the Supreme Lord himself as in the example used in this Anucheda Rishav Dev is Saktavishavatar and he refers to himself as God as the Supreme himself and the other is when the empowered jiva, that's one of us, fragment of the Lord, conceives of themselves as a servant of the Lord. In both instances, the point being brought out by Jiva Goswami here is both, the, both of these avatars, their bodies are also fully transcendental. Well, that's not that hard to understand to, you know, that the Lord can 
spiritualize someone's body and also energize it with his energy. He is God, so he can do whatever he wants. And as far as this conception of of having a transcendental form when he empowers a jiva like, well, like ourselves. I mean, you could be empowered by God to act on his behalf if he so desired. He could give you all of his strength. Well, there's something special about when God gives you all his strength, none of his strength leaves him. You just have all the strength that he has. Or he can give you all of his knowledge. <laughs> he could give you all his beauty, but <laughs> he'd still be the most beautiful. <laughs> so he can these Avesh avatars can can have these potencies. So we we covered most of this. I just want to finish up a point or two, and then Jiva's going to go on and discuss more of these various forms of the Supreme Lord in truth. And one thing I think that we sometimes have trouble with in conceiving of the Lord's form is a general problem we have with conceiving of any form, we always see based on our experience. And we're not used to seeing condensed spirit, Ananda, Satchitananda. We naturally have an inclination to, when we see a body we immediately think that body is composed of earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego. We have no experience of a form that isn't made of these material elements. So when we hear of the transcendental form of the Lord being eternity, knowledge, and bliss, we do have a hard time of conceiving of that. And sometimes when people say, well, someone has a spiritual body, they immediately think, okay, well, can I see it? Well, actually, you can't see the Lord's form unless he wants you to see it. That's one of his potencies. And that's also explained in the scripture. Atashri Krishna Nabadi Nabaved Graham Indriya. Our Graham Indriya, our Indriyas, are made to perceive matter. That's what they're. they're ma- hmm? <clears throat> our senses, what did I say? No, you didn't. I didn't say anything. Oh, yes. Okay, I'm sorry. Indrias. So, our Indrias, our senses are made to perceive material things. Our eyes see matter, our ears hear. Through, all through, so, Atashri Krishna Namadi, this verse is telling us that the material senses cannot perceive the Supreme. 
that doesn't mean they can't perceive the Supreme if the Supreme wants to make himself available to us. So just to, to fortify the fact that the Lord, if he so desires, he can manifest a form that we can perceive. Now, how we perceive that form, well, that would, someone might question, well, if the material senses are made to perceive matter and the Lord manifests his material for, his form in front of us, it must be material. No. He can also give you the ability to perceive that form. But generally speaking, we should understand that such a revelation, a spiritual revelation, is entirely spiritual itself. Well, then naturally someone would ask, well, what about when Krishna himself advents? Everybody saw him when he wa walked into the wrestling arena, and they saw him according to their vision the great yogis saw him as the absolute truth. The wrestlers saw him as, as uh, uh, I don't know, I forget what their perception was. Kamsa saw him as, as death personified. The young women of Dwarka saw him as the most beautiful young man. So everybody had some... So were they seeing Krishna with material senses would be an, a natural question that one would ask because Krishna advented here for the benefit of humanity at large. And the answer would be they were given transcendental senses to see the Supreme Lord. Although they, it, although they thought and one would, from a superficial reading of the scripture, say, well, they saw with material eyes. But then, what's the validity of the verse, Atashri Krishna Nabadi? We have to be able to reconcile these things, that one cannot perceive the supreme with the material senses. So he had to have spiritualized their senses in such a way that he could be perceived. Or Yogamaya did it for him. There's a verse used as praman, as evidence in this Anucheta in regards to Rishavdev's departure or the prop. The proper nomenclature would be as far as Rishav Dave's wrapping up his Leela. And he performed his the wrapping up of his Leela in such a way that the yogis of the day could benefit from his example. So he went to the forest and the forest fire there was a forest fire in the forest and he departed the world. That's what the scripture apparently says. But Jiva Goswami says, hold on a minute. 
This is what the verse actually says. And we touched upon this last class. That the fire burn up all the material bodies of everybody that was residing in the forest. And Rishavdev destroyed their subtle bodies and they all gained liberation due to his association. Bhagavat Shakti Avesh Avatar. Bhagavat Shakti. So that's one. The Bhagavat Shakti is one who has received the power of the Supreme. And then Bhagavad Avesh Avatar. One who, who conceives themselves. The word used here is pervasion. Meaning how the Lord's energy pervades the jiva. So that energy can be of such that the jiva feels himself God. So God's given him that. Yes. So it's a complete it's a complete package. He's given him one of his shaktis in the in the instance of Rishavdev, the specific Shakti was the Shakti of rulership. Now you could say, well, why didn't he just why didn't the Supreme just empower a king to be to have all his his abilities to rule? But as I was just explaining, there may be an instance, and there must be instances, because we do have Saktavish avatars who are jivas doing the work of the Supreme as the Supreme. So Krishna knows the best circumstance for that, and he also knows the best circumstance where he simply empowers a jiva. And the pervasion there is not at, not so complete. So they feel empowered. But they conceive of themselves as a servant. So it's, I guess the English, I mean the English translation is probably as good as we can get. It's a pervasion of the Lord's energy. The Lord's energy has overtaken these jivas who are completely dedicated to the Lord to begin with in particular ways to help them accomplish their service. And sometimes that pervasion is pretty comprehensive in such a, such a situation. They think themselves God. Well, they are God. They have the power. If you have the power of God, then and then after you're done, it takes back his power. One last thing in the Anucheta itself. This explanation is also in agreement with the earlier statement by Sri Sukha. The Lord appeared in a form of unalloyed being, Visuddha Sattva. Sukadev Goswami does not say that Sri Rishabdev took birth, Janma. Rather, he appeared, and so he disappeared in the same way. The word Antardade, he disappeared was also used in this way when Sri Rishabh's father, Nabi, performed a sacrifice to attain a son. The Lord appeared in the sacrificial arena and then disappeared after blessing King Nabi. Point being made, he's, he's quoting another couple verses from the Srimad Bhagavatam to emphasize that Rishabh's body was fully transcendental and it manifests and then it was unmanifest. Going on to the next Anucheda. 
Krishna's body is transcendental and most beautiful. If Rishavdev's body has the aforementioned characteristics, what more can be said about the body of the original and complete personal absolute? For example, Bhishmadev said the following. So now we're talking about Swayam Bhagavan. And I realize this can be, when we look to the Lord and his various energies and how he manifests his energies and how he can infuse his energy into his energy, how he can infuse specific energies that he possesses in two jivas, we have to we have we have to grasp again this central verse for this whole section of the Sandarbas. Varati tat tat vavidas tatvam yajanamadvayam brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavan iti subjate. This verse says so much. When we look to the non-dual absolute. Non-dual means there is no duality like we experience in the material realm. So when you talk about the Supreme Absolute and you look to these detailed explanations in the Shastra and the revelation of these explanations and the unpacking of these explanations by the sadhus, by the great devotees of the Lord, so we can begin to grasp what you would, I guess you would say, all this detailed knowledge, it's important to understand that it's all a manifestation of the Supreme Lord's unlimited potency. He has his own internal potency, which is Satchitananda, and he has his external potency. And we generally talk about the Lord's potency in three divisions, don't we? We talk about his internal potency, his marginal potency, and his external potency, referring to those manifestations of his energies as the Lord and his spiritual realm, ourselves being marginal in that we can either exist in that spiritual realm or in his external potency, the material realm. Two of his three, when we look to the potencies of the Lord, two of those three potencies are fully spiritual. Fully spiritual. Even ourselves, we're fully spiritual. But we're called Tatasta. We're in the Tatasta. We can, we can see ourselves as closely associated with the external, inert, non-spiritual aspect of the Lord, or we can see ourselves in relationship to him and his internal potencies. So we're we're that middle we're in the middle ground. But when we look to the Lord's internal spiritual potency, of which we are a, a very infinitesimal portion. Our experience since time immemorial is we've been associated with his external energy. 
His external energy is still his energy, but it's not conscious. It's inert. It's, it's, it starts with pradana, and you can study Sankhya Yoga, and you can learn how it evolves. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's quite an amazing thing, his material potencies. But for the most part, it's not as pleasing as his spiritual potency. But we have a choice. We can be associated there or here. And there's when you associate with matter and take it on as your very being, then this is what we have. We have our current experience of empiric, our empiric experience of existence. I come into being, I grow, I have some offspring, I dwindle. And then it turns off, and I do it again and again and again, and I can't remember when I started doing it, and I can't remember, I can't, can't conceive of not doing this. And I can't conceive of the Lord's body not being like my body. So there's, there's all these, when we associate with material nature, all these things start having a, a profound impact on our existence. And we forget our spiritual nature. And the Lord, he says, Yada, yada, he dharmasya. Let me remind you again and again and again. And he may remind and then we fall back into our slumber of material existence. But we are in essence... God, but we're just such a small fragment of his unlimited potency. So this whole concept of, of saktavish, avatar, of empowered, if he wants to give you power, how much can you do? You can do as much as he can do. It's a fact that the residents of the transcendental realm, the spiritual realm, I mean, Krishna always has more power than you have, but you don't know that he has more power than you have. Although you conceive of that if you're in the Vaikuntha realm. When I say Vaikuntha realm in this context, I'm referring to the realm where there's still a profound sense of awe and veneration. Our conception is, is a little deeper than that course we know Krishna's God and of course we want to we want to appreciate him for everything that God is but we'd rather appreciate him more for what he is he's a young boy he's a the most beautiful boy he plays the most beautiful flute he has the most beautiful associates and he enacts the most wonderful pastimes we want that to overcome the sense of his godliness. It's such a more, it's such a better way to appreciate him in a way that he wants to be appreciated. 
So this whole ideal of our spiritual practice and this whole conception, having having a, a deep understanding of, I guess you would say this is extremely detailed knowledge here. Well, the Lord can empower somebody. Well, we know he can empower somebody. All we have to do is look at our own cultures on this planet and look to various spiritual and material leaders and say, yes, some people have a lot of power. Where's it coming from? Where do you think it comes from? But when he specifically gives power to one to do his personal bidding, we call that Saktavish Avatar. He's personally pulling the strings for something he wants to accomplish and he chooses one of those little sparks that we are to accomplish that end. That's what Saktavish Avatar is. They can either can they can either if it's a very pervasive over flooding of his potency, whatever it may be, then that in that instance the Jiva feels themselves to be God. And they don't do that out of any false pride or conceit. They do that for the benefit of humanity. And when they conceive of themselves as simply a servant of God, again, the goal is the same. You can pick me up and embrace me, or you can make me brokenhearted by not being present before me. Whatever you choose, I'm good with that. Of course, I'd rather he pick me up. But if you don't, I can understand that. That's what we're talking about. That kind of consciousness really captures Krishna's art. He says, if you're willing to do, if you're willing to take whatever I give you, then then I'll give you everything. You could pick me up and embrace me, or you could make me brokenhearted by not being present before me. You're still my worshipable Lord unconditionally. No conditions on my side. Then, then, then you own Krishna. If you can come to that state and honestly say this prayer with full, a full consciousness of what's entailed, that's the pinnacle of this, the objective of our practice, the pinnacle. Then you have reached consciousness like Radha has for Krishna. So, if you love, and that's what Sri Chaitanya, Sri Chaitanya composed these verses, and he was trying to, how, how is it that, that Radha, Krishna's topmost lover, is loving him? How has that happened? What is her mentality? And and then he composed these verses. And this very last verse embodies exactly what you're talking about. That level of pick me up or don't. It doesn't matter to me. You're still, there's nobody better than you, so I want you. I want nothing else. You're the best. So, Jiva Goswami continues. So how much more is the body of Krishna himself? 
Well, to speak of the body, if the body of somebody that Krishna empowers is fully transcendental, how much more transcendental is Krishna's body himself? So Jiva Goswami uses a few verses to give us some entry into understanding this. And he quotes from the first canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, At Maharaj Yudhisthira's Rajasuya sacrifice, there was a great assembly of eminent sages and mighty kings who honored him, meaning honored Krishna. The sinasure of all eyes, by offering him first worship, now this same self has again appeared before my eyes. This verse is being spoken by Bhishma Dev. Bhishma Dev has been laying on a bed of arrows for 45 days, waiting for the right time to die. He could die. He had a benediction. He could die when he wanted to die. And there are right times to die, according to Vedic scripture. You know, you can... Astrology, astrology, yeah. So there's some... Again, the devotees of Krishna are always trying to give give direction by good example to humanity at large. So not everybody's Krishna's devotee. Bhishma Dev was Krishna's devotee, but still he was willing to to lay in what we would considering a, consider a suffering condition for 45 days to show if you die at the right time, if you can gain enough mastery over your mind and senses to choose your time of leaving like I'm doing, it's in your best interest. You will be, you will advance yourself. So, he's on the battlefield of Kurukshetra and he's leaving his body. Yudhisthira comes to see him and he starts to recall everything in his life that Krishna had done because Krishna's there also so he's he's praising Krishna at the end of his life which is the real example to be had from his leaving is if at the end of life we can remember everything that the Lord has done for us in our life that's 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 a good way to end up our existence and plus, he's got Krishna standing in front of him. So, if on our deathbed we can even remember what Krishna did by giving us a guru and allowing us to associate with the devotees and serve him in so many ways throughout our life, that's good for us. What to speak if, if Krishna shows up if you're at your deathbed? And that's what Bhishma's thing. He, and he's remembering everything that Krishna did for him during his life. So he's actually seeing Krishna's form here. And he's remembering the Rajasuya sacrifice. And this was a sacrifice that uh, Maharaj Yudhisthira performed. He was really upset after the, the battle of Kurukshetra. He was feeling very despondent. He created a lot of, he was a widow maker in order to 
take over the world and get rid of the bad kings that were running things. He was a widow maker. And he made so many widows and those widows had children. Those children now had no fathers. And it's a real plight in human society when this happens. Um, that's what Eudistir's feeling. He's feeling this. And he's trying to make amends and trying to I mean, you can imagine he feels the whole burden of the world on his shoulders now. Bishmadev, he went to Bishmadev, but what Bishmadev is doing here is he's actually recounting the times that he had some direct experience of Krishna in his life. And one was at the Rajasuya sacrifice. And at this sacrifice, imagine Krishna. This is, this is Krishna. This is Krishna. And he's washing everyone's feet that comes to the sacrifice. And at a sacrifice like this, which is a big deal, you're trying to you're trying to counteract big sin. You've done it you've done a real you know, you've really messed up. And you're trying to counteract that and you have you have the facility to do that. So Vedic sacrifices are there so we can counteract, you know, our impiety with piety. So he's seeing Krishna there and he's remembering and he's, he's, he's saying, look at what Krishna did. Here's Krishna. He was so wonderful that all these great saints and sages and kings of the world were there. And when it was time to choose one personality to receive the, the, as the most significant participate, participant in the event, they chose Krishna unanimously. Well, there was this Sisupal, but we're not going to go there. Sisupal couldn't do it. He had such hatred for Krishna, such enmity. And this is what Bhishma Dave's recalling here. This and other Praman verses are going to be brought out by Jiva Goswami to show the transcendental nature of, of Krishna's personal form. Are there any questions? Thank you so much for your association.